I'm Dr. Terry Fisher, a physician and voice technology futurist. Voice First Technology is rapidly becoming the operating system of our lives, and it will completely revolutionize the way we experience healthcare. Let's talk voice. Voice First Health, the future of health is voice. Hello and welcome to episode 21 of Voice First Health. It is an absolute pleasure to have you along for this week's podcast episode. This week's episode is all about aging in place. And I welcome a fantastic guest, Stuart Patterson, who is the CEO of LifePod. He and his team have been working on the service, LifePod, which is a way for caregivers to stay in touch and to essentially create a type of care plan, if you will, for a loved one or family member that may need some additional support and may need some additional prompts and guidance and reminders through their daily activities. Uh, Stuart obviously does a much better job of explaining the, the uh, service than I than I have just done. But it is uh, I've been wanting to have Stuart on the podcast for some time. I met him in Boston at the Voice of Healthcare Summit, and I had a little tour of their facility, and I was completely blown away by what he and uh, his team are working on. So uh, I, I think you'll enjoy this, particularly if you know somebody, and I'm sure you do, who is uh, getting up there in their years and is perhaps looking for a way to have some increased independence so that they can continue to live on their own to the best of their ability. Um, this is going to be very interesting to you. So uh, anyway, without any further ado, I'd love to welcome Stuart onto the podcast. Well, it's great to welcome uh, Stuart Patterson onto the podcast. Thanks so much for being here, Stuart. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Terry. Thanks for having me um, talk with you for a little bit. Wonderful. Well, it's great. Like I say, it's great to have you on here. I uh, I met you back in, uh, I guess it was in August in Boston when I was there for the uh, Voice of Healthcare Summit and uh, I had a little tour of your facility and I was blown away by what you guys are doing. So we're going to get into all about LifePod, uh, which I think is a really, really remarkable product. But first, before we even get to there, um, can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got involved with this this company and this product? Sure. Um, I, I've been a, a bit of a high-tech uh, online services entrepreneur or early stage um, CEO for most of my career. Um, so I, I've really always been passionate about online services and what they can do to, to serve society. Um, going all the way back to, you know, France when they, when they started with the Minitel project, uh, uh, back in the, in the late eighties. So, uh, I'm an old guy in, in, in terms of these high tech, uh, inventions. And so fast forward to a couple of years ago, um, I, I was working on a, on a very interesting, uh, company, uh, called Sidekicks, which was developing automated avatars for autistic children. And um, I, did, I had been doing that for a couple of years. And, and around the holidays, just about this time, I, I left that company and, uh, because they were struggling to get more funding. And, um, and I was approached by a, a team who had envisioned uh, the combination of voice technology as represented by Alexa and, and all the smart speakers, mm -hmm. uh, combining with uh, IoT devices and sensors that were being put uh, in people's homes and were finally at the point where they were do-it-yourself and reliable and inexpensive, and using those the, the combination of IoT sensors and uh, network-capable sensors along with um, voice technologies and interfaces to address the needs of the elderly 
uh, aging in place. You know, the, the sort of classic uh, uh, terminology for that market opportunity and for that really market need right. is how do you help people who are alone uh, and, uh, and they're growing as a portion of society, not only in, in North America, but around the world. Uh, and how do you help them with something that's inexpensive, but a- absolutely easy to use? And so these, these entrepreneurs uh, that were a friend of mine in the Boston uh, area, you know, had this wonderful video of a, of a two-way talking um, uh, character or avatar uh, that was able to uh, sort of initiate the voice dialogue with the elderly users Mm-hmm. And uh, while I was researching this whole idea that was so compelling, um, I stumbled on LifePod. And LifePod was actually invented by a serial inventor named Dennis Fontaine. Uh-huh. Um, and he had invented the first wireless headpiece uh, literally eight or ten years ago, sold all the rights to Jabra. And those of, those of your sure. listeners – old enough to remember uh, there was a couple years there where only Jabra had wireless headpieces that that worked yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I had and, one of those yeah <laughs> yeah so I think I did too and uh, so he loves to invent things I think he I think he has an invention idea a week or something crazy he's really one of these Edison types and so he developed uh, the first prototypes of LifePod he had two or three different form factors he developed the first uh, prototype of these of the virtual the caregiver what we now call the the LifePod caregiver portal to allow caregivers to set up the routines that would speak via LifePod and um, and he conceived of the idea that the way that it would be most powerful and most effective would be to be integrated with Alexa and uh, so uh, my co-founder Rich Lane and I uh, went out to meet uh, Dennis. And pretty much uh, on the spot because we were so blown away by the idea, by the website that he developed. Uh, he was out of Hollywood, so he was good at marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we, we basically reached a handshake deal with him. And that was uh, February, January or February of last year. And then we had a full agreement with him by May uh, to essentially buy out all the rights uh, and to to run with it. And so, uh, you know, uh, a couple months later, we had arranged the angel funding from high tech entrepreneurs that uh, Rich and I knew in Boston, and we were on our way. Wow. And so that, well, that's a great story. And, um, and I had the opportunity to come in there and see a little bit about or see a little bit of what you guys are doing. So how would you how would you explain to the the listener that perhaps hasn't li- hasn't heard of LifePod? So what is LifePod? How does it work? Well, um, it uses, uh, as I said, the connection with uh, Alexa. We are now in discussions with Google for Google Assistant. And we also did a demonstration just uh, a month ago with Samsung and their new Bixby Assistant. Uh, So we're not not planning to be uh, sort of restricted to the Alexa platform, but it, it uses the voice of Alexa and the technology of Alexa in order to add uh, what we call a virtual caregiver capability. So a virtual assistant capability, which is what this entire category 
of new smart speaker uh, you know, uh, voices is called mm-hmm. is virtual assistant is what uses what we call reactive voice modalities where the voice reacts to what you tell it to, to do or what you ask it to do. Right. You have to wake it up. Then it reacts to the wake up phrase. So you say Alexa or you say, okay, Google, or you say, Hey Siri, um, in order to wake it up. And then it reacts to whatever you say after that, which is uh, people in the in the uh, area call it invocation phrases. I'm sure most of your listeners know that. Mm-hmm. But you could also, instead of invoking another skill or action or something, you could also, of course, ask it a random question, uh, you know, like uh, when was Donald Trump born or something like that. Um, so that's all reactive. What what we do that's so extraordinary is we add the concept of proactive voice, allowing Alexa or in the future other virtual assistants to speak to the user without being woken up and without being spoken to. So one of my favorite examples, uh, and I won't play you a demo, but I'll, I'll imitate it, mm-hmm. would be to say uh, you play a little tone like bring, and then it says, Hello, Carol. This is LifePod. Good morning. How did you sleep last night? Huh. And and that's uh, that's a simple thing. And then Carol, who's in the room with the LifePod device, would say, "I slept great." And then LifePod, unlike most of these virtual assistants that you ask a question of, um, will come back and say, "Well, that's wonderful. Have a nice day." And so that's a very simple example of a proactive voice dialogue that LifePod is capable of uh, sort of scheduling, uh, basically the, the portal that we give to the caregiver allows them to schedule these uh, dialogues to um, speak throughout the day or throughout the week, and they can be one time, uh, like you have a doctor's appointment in an hour, uh, don't forget to be at the door in half an hour, or they can be repeat. Uh, once a year is, uh, it's your grandson's birthday today. Uh, would you like to call them? Uh, and so, so the special sauce is this capability that we hope and think, and, and we are pushing the, all the voice platforms to add, which is a capability of speaking on a schedule, uh, and, and invoking this dialogue. The second piece that we do that I've already described and I think is worth mentioning mm-hmm. is this concept of skill linking. So I can say to Carol, uh, good evening, Carol, it's 6 p.m. Uh, it's time for you to have dinner. Uh, would you like to listen to some Frank Sinatra while you eat? That tends to be one of the favorites is Frank <laughs> Sinatra, of course. And, um, and so what we're doing then, if she says yes, is we're actually not doing anything special, but we are invoking the play music skill, which is part of every smart speaker, Mm -hmm. and we're playing her choice. Uh, And so another favorite, of course, is would you like to listen to the news in the morning? Um, And eventually it could be invoking a third party skill, like um, it's two o'clock, you have a doctor's appointment at three, would you like your Lyft driver to pick you up at 2.30 as usual. So that's it. That's a quick description. I'll stop there for a second and see if that makes a fair amount of sense. Yeah, no, that that's fantastic. And, um, you know, it's interesting. I was part of a sort of a one of these health hackathon weekend things. This is back earlier in the year. 
Um, and I was interested in creating a, a simple little dialogue as, as, a, as a prototype of this, of a, an interaction that a person could have with their uh, uh, aging mother or father in their home. And this was one of the big obstacles that we couldn't figure out how to get around was how do you, how do you create a device that can proactively start conversations? And you guys have done it, which is, which is quite remarkable. Can you talk a little bit about um, the technology behind that? Are you able to share a little bit about how that works, how you've managed to sure. tackle that issue? Sure. Um, what we did was we wrote uh, a little piece of firmware um, that runs on an Echo clone. Uh, we've developed a, a sexy name for it. We call it the proactive voice controller, mm-hmm. um, or PVC. Uh, and so I'll just use PVC for short. So the PVC, uh, is just really, we sometimes call it a listener because it's, it's waiting for our process in the cloud, the LifePod process to ping it and to say, uh, wake Alexa up and invoke the LifePod skill. And so what it does is it sends, it goes in through the front door of, of uh, any, any echo, just like any user would do. It sort of sends, imagine it's sending a wave file and the wave file consists of Alexa, play the elderly care skill now. Hmm. And, but that is inaudible to the user uh, who owns uh, that echo clone or life pod device. Uh, and, um, and so what happens is, uh, echo does what echo does for any other, uh, skill. It, it, it thinks that there's been somebody in the room who said that. And so we, we essentially say it on behalf of the senior in order to get the process going and get our skill to have control. Our skill looks in a little table and it looks for that device and it says, well, I sent the request in the first place. So it knows what we're, it's supposed to play and it plays. Good morning, Carol. Uh, how did you sleep last night? Hmm. So that's all that it does. Of course, it has to have a little, a lot of logic so that it doesn't uh, fall over or go to sleep or break or whatever. Um, so that it's always listening for a, a little ping from the LifePod cloud. But it's a very simple and elegant uh, way to do it because that allows us to also send it the uh, Alexa play Frank Sinatra if uh, request if she says yes I'd like to listen to Frank Sinatra um, and it also solves the problem or the not problem the the sort of challenge that all of the voice uh, smart speaker platforms are looking at which is how do you uh, ensure that the single user wants this proactive voice feature and wants to sort of, uh, you know, to use an industry term, wants to opt in to this service. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, if it's running on their Echo or their Echo clone or running on their Google Home and that's and their their son or daughter gave them that or they, you know, they purchased it themselves because they wanted LifePod to work, then they obviously want it to work for them. Uh, and, and if their, uh, healthcare institution caregiver gave it to them, then they obviously want it to work for them as well. Uh, and because it's in their home, it's got this sort of physical attachment. It's not like somebody could 
suddenly, you know, dial into the back end of, of ABS or something and start talking to, to random devices because it's got this uh, link to their unit only. Mm, okay. so, um, so those are the three features of what we've done with that firmware. But as I said earlier, there's nothing stopping any of these companies from extending their existing APIs for developers. And we have actually defined sort of the, at a functional level, we've, we've defined and we've written and we've, and we are currently communicating with most of these major providers of virtual assistants, just extending their APIs so that you as a developer could do what you tried to do in the hackathon, which is send a command to an individual device and say, please speak this phrase. Right. And, and just before we started recording, I know that for example, um, Amazon allows, or, and they just announced this yesterday, uh, um, an expansion of their notification API, but that's very different than what you're describing. They just will allow uh, potentially a third party skill developer to have the light ring light up. But for your, your use case, what you're describing, that really doesn't do a whole lot. I, I don't think it does. Um, we're, we're really going after people who are, uh, have, have had difficulty using the reactive mode all along. And I, I, I view a portion of what we do uh, as an accessibility question. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the people that we're really having incredible experiences with because they're so delighted to have something talk to them um, have been shut off from the online services or internet revolution for years. Um, for, and for whatever reason, uh, I was sp- speaking on a panel, uh, just a couple days ago in DC and one of the experts in this area, Lori Orlov mentioned one of her pet peeves, which is that these screens have become more and more detailed and packing more and more information into them, which is not a good thing for somebody whose eyesight is, is getting worse and worse. Sure. Um, and they've also become more touchscreen sensitive. A lot of almost all of these screens now are, are touchscreen sensitive for, you know, some large majority of people's interactions of with online services is they're expected to to touch a, a single spot on the screen. And if your hand starts to shake a little bit, then the, uh, you know, evolution and improvement of these screens is actually working against you again. Right. So, you know, these and, and, and then you've got all the complexities of how do I configure it? How do I download that app? How do I update? How often do I have to update the app to have the new feature that I was waiting for, which is all much, much harder to do for so many people in the world and then something that just speaks to you and all you have to do is answer. So um, we are really finding that this is. Uh, this is really an accessibility question and it's really delightful for those people who have been shut off. And the second part is that um, if a caregiver configures it, and and it's really the special part is without proactive voice, you can't put it under the control of the caregiver. Because if the caregiver configures it to remind you or to check in on whether or not you've had a second glass of water or whether or not you've taken your medicine and you don't notice the yellow light or you don't say to the yellow light, what do you have for me in time, then you could miss that. It would just be like a, 
a push notification on your mobile phone, which could be there, but you, you might not get it. Right. Whereas if you speak into the air and that person is within earshot, they can't miss it. Right, right. Which leads me to another question. It's very interesting. What if the person, how, how does the system deal with the scenario if the person is out or, or that sort of thing? And the, you know, the, the device is waiting for some type of response. Right. So um, right now in our beta testing mode, we don't really have a, a good answer for that other than to repeat. You can set it up to repeat the prompt or repeat the reminder uh, at a configurable interval. So if you've got no answer, you could come back. Or even if you got an answer to a reminder, you could come back with a verification 10 minutes later or one minute later or 20 minutes later. So that's one option that we have now. Mm -hmm. what, we're, what we're working on, of course, is, is a series of ways that we can deal with that. Um, the, the first one is to offer people a sort of a pause, you know, a sort of a, a do not disturb, uh, which is, you know, or, or don't bother. <laughs> sure. I'm leaving the house for six hours uh, you know, pause. And that could be in, you know, that could be in reactive mode. It could be, uh, Alexa, tell LifePod to pause for an hour, uh, or two days or something like that. Uh -huh. Um, or tell, you know, we had one user actually, who is, I think she was in her eighties and she called up very upset and said, LifePod interrupted me in a conversation, hmm. you know, and, and that's going to be one of our future technologies is detecting and what, what I'm because I've been in voice so long, I'm sort of excited about is imagine if if we can detect and listen for a little bit to detect if somebody's talking and it's not the TV, of course, um, and and perhaps say, excuse me, Dorothy, uh, I have an important reminder for you. And the caregiver could conceivably even market whether or not they should interrupt the conversation. You know, the technology oh, okay. gets there soon um, and it's not that hard. And that's one of the future things that we're going to do. Uh, and the other one, of course, is um, two things. One is presence detection. Uh, you know, there's many inexpensive sensors that can tell whether or not anybody's even there. Um, and so as we gather that data, we can sort of make sure that we're not speaking into an empty room. And then the other one that all of the smart speaker platforms are working on and that we would expect to piggyback on whatever they deliver, uh, is the multi-room capability. Uh, so I put an echo in my main room and I put a dot in every other room or a Google mini in every other room and whichever one hears, uh, you know, we potentially play the prompt uh, or the initial uh, dialogue in every room, and then whichever one hears the response continues the dialogue. So oh, that's, that's, that's a, a sampling of the kinds of things that we'll be able to do. Sure, sure. What's the sort of onboarding process for for these people? You mentioned like the technology, and I agree with you. Like uh, voice is really opening up a whole new world in terms of an interface for for somebody, particularly an aging person, to to interact uh, with these types of services. How how do you get around the issue of the actual installation if a person is not that savvy with technology? Um, well, the first thing is is we pre-configure them. Um, in my vision and, and my co-founder's vision, and I think in the vision of the um, of the inventor, we've always felt that these things need to be bundled, and it needs to be incredibly simple. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but the caregiver can sort of deal with whatever's complex about it. Uh-huh. Um, and, and, and we're so that when they plug it in, it's got to be as simple or even the current beta site is, is simpler than the setup and startup of an echo. Okay. Uh, so, so the, the device part is not, but we're not a device company. We're a, we're a service. And so the service part is how do I configure the portal for my mom uh, so that so that LifePod will say the right things at the right time? And we are on the third iteration of our portal. I think we demonstrated the portal to you when you visited. Um, yeah. And we're, we're on the third one. We're very excited. Uh, I'll just tell you uh, because – and our goal there is to make that as easy as possible from an onboarding viewpoint uh-huh. uh, right down to the – to the point of uh, our idea is you ask uh, 20 questions. Those 20 questions could be answered by the caregiver alone, mm-hmm. or they could, answered, you know, 15 of them could be answered by the caregiver and five of them could be answered by the senior user. Um, and if the answer, you know, let's say one of the questions was, do you want to be reminded about your um, relatives birthdays? Yes, I would. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, which relatives, when are their birthdays? So you just ask those questions and then you automatically populate the portal with those routines that that requires. Um, and you could imagine that, of course, being a voice geek, uh, I could imagine that being voice activated pretty soon so that I could set up a new routine to play for my mom to tell her about my daughter's birthday uh, and ask her if she wants to call her uh, as part of the LifePod reminder um, from my car as I'm driving to work. That's great. That's great. Can you just maybe uh, give us a couple of other examples of what you can set up through the portal if you are the caregiver? Yeah. Um, well, so we, we talk about having three routines, three types of routines. One is uh, what we call wellness check-ins. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second is uh, what we call social or other reminders. And then the third one is other voice services, meaning non-life, meaning that, that sort of skill linking I was talking about, connection to another voice service like the weather or the news or the joke of the day or whatever. Um, and uh, so you can imagine, or your listeners can imagine, I think, all of the different types of wellness check-ins you could configure. Uh, one of my favorites is, how are you feeling? And then if she says, I'm not feeling well, you say, would you like your daughter or your care, your professional caregiver to contact you today, uh, you know, or by phone mm-hmm. or I mean, you can do that. Would you like to call them now? Uh, but that's not, you know, you're not guaranteed of reaching them. So it's sometimes and it's not always that urgent, you know, if it's really that urgent. Uh, but that was the one that my wife set up for my mother-in-law and with the first ever LifePod system. And I thought it was hmm. it was good because if, if her mother said she didn't need her to call, then my then my wife uh, went through the day not feeling guilty about not checking in on her mother. She uh-huh. felt there was OK. So so those are the three types. But I want to fi- fi- uh, zero in on a, a feature within um, the check ins and the reminders. Uh-huh. Um, and that is, and really it's within the check-in sort of functionality, and that is the capability of configurable alerts, which we think is, we call, we call it the third leg of the stool. Uh, uh-huh. The first leg is the portal where you can set them up. The second leg is obviously 
the user listening to and reacting to these LifePod dialogues that get, get played during the day. But the third leg is these alerts. So I could say, if, if to use the example I just gave you, if the thing says, Carol, would you like your daughter to call you because you just said you're not feeling well? And she says yes. Then the daughter, uh, in this case, Lisa, gets a text message on her cell phone that says, your mother said that she wants you to call her sometime today. Uh. And so that sort of you can you can configure that to any routine that plays uh, through to the user and you can configure it to be they said they were good. They said they were bad or they said no or they gave a negative response or they gave no response. Hmm. And, then, you know, that that will be useful when they respond to the same routine for, you know, three weeks in a row. And then all of a sudden they don't respond. Right. You might want to have that flag to you. Um, and then uh, the you can you can configure it so that every response is sent to you as a text. And of course, we also have an, a daily report that is sent to you. And so I think that's a configurable part of the portal and an, a critical part, because over time, I see our ability to not only monitor people, either for a elderly care patient or for a chronic care patient or a special needs patient in their home, uh, but also to, to configure a very responsive sort of alert uh, matrix that says, who do I need to contact me? What do I need from them? And how urgent is it? You know, all of those things could be sort of, you could view them as a permutation of response that we've never been able to provide till now. Interesting. No, that's that's fantastic. It's um Boy, it's really, really exciting. And as I said right off the top here, when I was there in Boston, I was so excited to see what you guys are developing. I think it's got such great potential um, for all these people, like you say, the aging in place demographic that are looking for some way to help to support their independence and keep them at home. Fantastic. Where Where are you guys at now? And, and you know, can the public get access to, to LifePod? Where, what's the roadmap here for the next little while? Um, so right now we're in... Uh beta testing. We had only 20 prototypes. We're, we'll soon have 200 beta uh, Echo clones uh, with the LifePod name on them that have this firmware in them that I described earlier. And um, so we're beta testing and we're doing it in two ways. Uh, those in, in the sort of individuals in the public that contact us and say they want a beta, um, for the most part, those uh, that we want to provide with a lot of high touch support are mostly in the Boston area, but we're just starting some of those, uh, you might call them family and friends or contacts, early beta adopters uh, are out in, uh, we're just starting up in California. Mm -hmm. And then we're doing uh, a lot of betas through uh, companies or institutions. Um, the first major one is with Commonwealth Care Alliance here in Boston. Uh, we're up at, I think we're close to 40 on our way to 50, uh, uh, beta devices, uh, that are in the homes of their patients and clients, uh, who are typically, um, dual eligible, meaning they're Medicare and Medicaid, mm -hmm. uh, um, enrolled. 
and they're or covered by Medicare and Medicaid, and they are also suffering from uh, generally complex medical conditions, uh, like they're in a wheelchair or on oxygen or or have diabetes or or several different things. And so that's very exciting. We're also doing smaller pilots uh, to the tune of five or 10 or 15 or 20 with senior living facilities. Um, we are just talking actually about going back into one of the uh, prototype uh, pilot users up in Ann Arbor, Michigan called Glacier Hills. They're owned by Trinity Health and they are talking about a uh, beta of on the order of 20 to 25 units. Then we're doing a smaller pilot with Home Instead uh, with a handful of users down here in Boston, in the South Shore of Boston. Um, so, and we, we have discussions with multiple other home care agencies and multiple other senior living facilities. We just installed a single user in a senior living facility here in Boston. Um, and then we got a wait list. Uh, so the, to answer your other question uh, a little bit more briefly is that we hope to be available to the public uh, as early as March or uh, April. Uh, it's possible, though, that we, for some period of time, we will only be available through institutional partners like CCA. Okay, okay. Well, uh, I'm sure that a lot of people are going to be very eager to to get their hands on one of these units and the service that you have, um, because it really is going to um, fill a great need. Um, one of the other questions that I like to ask people on the podcast is, this being the Voice First Health podcast, and obviously you've got a Voice First product, what does, in, in a general sense, or, or can you... Give us a sense of your thoughts on what does Voice First Health mean to you at this point? Uh, well, the thing I've I've really been uh, so excited and uh, sort of waking me up at night kind of excited uh, about is this idea of um, the caregiver being able to support and monitor their patient or their parent from a distance, whether that distance is the town next door, uh, that they can't, you know, they can't get away from whatever they're doing to keep track of their parent or their patient, or whether their distance is across the country. I talked to a, a venture capitalist a few months ago who said, God, I could use this to follow my, my father in Germany, you know, <laughs> yeah. Boston. Um, so that idea of the caregiver having a way to monitor and support either an elderly person or a person with special needs or a person with complex chronic conditions or even somebody who's just been discharged from the emergency room, which is a pilot we're talking about uh, doing, yeah. I just think is extraordinarily powerful. And, and, it, and, it, and, it, and it doesn't have that, that big open question that the uh, connected health space has had forever, which is will the patient engage with your service? You know, that's uh, yeah. been the problem, right? If I'm doing a startup with connected smartphones, I'm I'm just waiting to see whether the patients or the clients or the family member will use it. Right. And and this sort of guarantees that they'll engage. And what we're finding is that they're delighted to engage. So mm -hmm. I guess that's what really voice first uh, in health really means to me is is what I call the last 10 feet, completing the last 10 feet of engagement in such a natural way that people not only enjoy it, but they use it. And we can start collecting all the data that people have been dreaming of collecting in order to really leverage the power of AI-driven healthcare. 
Yeah, that's uh, really well said. Uh, I love that. Yeah, uh, I agree with you 100%. So again, this is really, really exciting. Stuart, where can people learn more about what you guys are doing and otherwise uh, connect with you? Uh, well, lifepod.com, of course, uh, is a place to start. We we find, we find got a, a new video up there about a month or so ago uh, that is a two-minute video and really, I think, tells the story pretty well. Um, and otherwise, uh, reaching out to uh, sales or uh, Stuart, S-T-U-A-R-T, at lifepod.com, and I'll route the email is, is fine. Um I guess, you know, and we do a fair amount of uh, LinkedIn sort of things and, uh, you know, sort of just posting things on LinkedIn about our activities. Uh, We're developing a little bit more information there. And we're speaking uh, at more and more conferences. We're going to be speaking with our new um, personal emergency response systems partner, Mobile Help. We're really excited about that. Uh, because they, they're specialists in, in cellular PERS, as it's called. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to be speaking at CES with them on the digital health track. We're going to be um, speaking on the digital health uh, track down at the uh, Alexa show down in Chattanooga yep. in January. Uh, so that's a that's a couple places, and I'm sure we'll be at other places. Wonderful. Well, I look forward to seeing you there in Chattanooga. I'll be there as well, and uh, I always like getting updates and uh, seeing what you guys are up to. So, hey, Stuart, thanks so much for uh, taking some time out of your busy day to come on the podcast here and uh, you know educate me a little bit more about what's going on and, and the listeners. I really, really appreciate that. Terry, it's been my pleasure. It's always my pleasure to talk to you and thank you for, you know, uh, promoting the whole idea of voice in health because, as I just said, I think it's a powerful transformational opportunity for all of us. Wonderful. Thanks again, Stuart. Okay, Terry. There you have it. What a great, great service that Stuart and his team are working on. I absolutely love it. And with our aging demographic, as Stuart was talking about, I agree with him. I believe that this is going to be a huge a transformational opportunity in the way that we as caregivers are able to help to make sure that the aging population has the best possible quality of care and quality of life and that they can enjoy their years and give them that much more independence. I think this is absolutely remarkable, as I've said a number of times. So again, uh, I just want to thank Stuart again for coming on publicly. Uh, You're doing great work, Stuart, and I really appreciate the time that you took to come and share uh, some of what you're doing with our audience here. The show notes for this episode, of course, can be found at voicefirsthealth.com slash 21. And there, of course, I will put all the links to what Stuart was talking about and, of course, to LifePod. Uh, if you have not had a chance to subscribe to this podcast, please do so. I encourage you to, to do that so that you can stay up to date on all of the incredible things that are going on in the Voice First Health space. Um, I'm going to be in Chattanooga, Tennessee, as Stuart commented on. Something kind of exciting for me that I'm going to be uh, giving a trial to while I'm in Chattanooga. I will be giving a talk and I'm going to be broadcasting it live on this podcast. So if you want to listen to my particular talk and you're not able to make it out to Chattanooga, then you can hear that particular talk by going to voicefirsthealth.com slash live. And I will be updating you about what time I will be going live and you can have a chance to be a part of a little bit of the conference. So I hope you will tune in for that as well. Please leave a review for this show if you haven't yet done so. And I look forward to speaking with you again next week. Take care.